on, come on, church. Man, there is joy in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen? Come on, bring it on, Jesus. Let's do some stuff. Man, I love Sundays, and you know why, because Sundays are our what? They are our fun days as we come and sing praises to an amazing God and worship life change of his son, Jesus Christ. You know, um, this morning as we were coming in, Steph and I were riding in together, and uh, she says, what's, what's on your mind? And I said, I don't want today to be another Sunday. I don't want today to just be another Sunday where we show up and do our Sunday thing. And so we just started praying, like we've been praying a lot lately for our church, saying, God, will you do something that's utterly disproportionate to who we are? Right? Right? He's a big God. Come on, church. He's a big God. Will you do something that's utterly disproportionate to who we are? We are one church. But will you do something through your church? What we expected, God, you do something absolutely amazing that we could not see coming because it's all done by you. And this morning, as we were just singing our worship, I just can't help but just sit back there and just praise him and praise him and praise him for what he is doing in his church. Amen? Amen. Good morning to all of you who are joining us online. We love the fact that we have the technology and the team to make it possible. We love you. We're hoping God speaks to you this morning in a real personal way. Good morning to all of you who are joining us that are new. Our guests at church, give it up for our guests. Amen. We love the fact that you're here today. I pray that when you walked in, you were made to feel welcome and wanted, and you'll come back and join us next week as we continue to chase this life and live this life with and in Jesus Christ. Uh, if, you're, if you haven't heard anything yet this morning, please know that we're all about Jesus in this place. We're all about Jesus. Um, next thing I want to share real quick, real quick is this best Sunday ever. You've been hearing about this? Yeah. Best Sunday ever? Okay, so this is September 24th. Uh, when you leave today, you're going to get packs of invite cards. And guess what I'm going to ask you to do with them? What? Invite people. <laughs> Imagine that. Right? So listen, best Sunday ever. Uh, we're going to have normal services that Sunday. And then after services, we're going to go out to the front seven acres. We're going to have tent set up, game set up, free food. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Church isn't church without free food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love love to reach our community with Jesus, and this is just one way. We're going to create our own little festival, a way to get people to hear, to come and connect. Yeah, amen for that. So you're going to get invite cards, and then we're also outside these doors is some sign-up sheets. We talked about last week, save people, serve people, and we have, we're creating this vertical community impact team, but we're going to need more people to sign up to make this event happen. It's going to be that big. We need your help. So if you want to be a part of something, what God is doing in this church, maybe something utterly disproportionate to who we are, all right, we're going to invite the entire community to come. Do me a favor, go out and sign up and be on this team because we need your help to make it possible to pull this off. Make it, make it the best Sunday ever. Amen? Amen. All right. Church, <clears throat> this morning we are in this series. We continue in our series, This Is Us. This is us. If you've missed any of these conversations, I want to uh, ask you and encourage you to go to our podcast. Go to our podcast. Our podcast is free to listen to, free to download, free to share with people. It's on all the major players. If you type in Vertical Church Sundays, Sunday Conversations, you'll find us. 
But here's the thing. This is why I want you to, to go back and listen to these conversations if you missed any of them. Because as we started this series, I explained that this series is all about our why. Why we do what we do. That we're pulling back the curtains of, to give our church family a reminder or a refresher, our guests who are in the room and our community, the real and the raw of who we are and why we do what we do. Where we say, this is us. See, I believe that when we know, when we believe and when we decide to live out our why, our mission of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ becomes a reality. And when we start living out our mission, we're living out our why, the church is changed. Families are changed. Spouses, you know, in your marriages, things are changed. Your, how you raise your kids are changed. You living in community is changed. And our community itself is changed in Jesus' name. Simon Sinek in his book, Starting With Why, he says this. Look on the screen. Very few people or companies can, can clearly articulate why they do what they do. By why, I mean your purpose, cause, or belief. Why does your company exist? Why do you get out of bed every morning? And why should anyone care? Now listen, I know the church is not a business, but the church is one of God's greatest creations through his son, Jesus Christ. And our why changes zip codes, eternal zip codes from heaven and from hell to heaven. Right? Come on. So our why, there is no other greater why in this world. There will never, ever be a greater why than to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That is why we do what we do. And in this series, what we've been doing is we've been walking through our core values. Our core values, there's five of them we walk through. They're the moving parts of you and I living out our why, our mission, the mission that Jesus has given his church. So we've been through a couple of them. Found people, find people is the first one. Save people, serve people was last week. And core value number three this week is this. Growing people change. Growing people change. At Vertical, we believe that everyone has a next step in their spiritual journey. In fact, I believe that we're all on a spiritual journey. We're on a journey either to Jesus or with Jesus. And where we are on it, how we got there is different for all of us. But as we come to or walk with Jesus, the one who changes everything, by the way, changes start happening with us. And as we walk with Jesus, changes has to happen with us because simply growing people change. Say it with me. Growing you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Do me a favor, look at your neighbor and tell them to get ready. Tell the person you just ignored on the other side of you, get ready. Church, open your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, we're starting at verse 3 this morning. If you grab the orange Bible on the way in, you'll find it on page 802. Philippians 1, verse 3, page 802. By the way, if you came in, and you don't have a Bible and you grab an orange Bible, please take that as our gift for you. We desire for you to have a copy of God's Word. If you walk by them and you don't have a Bible, grab one on the way out. Again, we desire for you to have a copy of God's Word. Philippians chapter 
1. We're starting at verse 3 this morning, or page 802. Philippians was written by a guy named Paul, a follower of Jesus named Paul. And Paul was a pretty amazing and interesting cat. Let me just say that. Um, I think think we stop and we share some background to his life. When we do this, it will set the stage for this morning's conversation because Paul's life is an amazing illustration of growing people changing. Uh, See, there was a point in Paul's life where he, he hated everything Jesus. He couldn't stand Christians, couldn't stand the church. In fact, he got letters to hunt Christians down. He had them arrested. In fact, there's one recorded incident where he stood there while a follower of Jesus named Stephen was being stoned, giving giving approval to his death. Stephen was a uh, proclaiming a follower, it was a follower of Jesus who was proclaiming the gospel, and he was calling it out and calling the Jewish leaders the time out for what they did to Jesus. And in Acts, six books back from where we are now, look at their response, or you can find it up on a screen. Acts chapter 7. It says, at this... When Stephen's proclaiming what they did to Jesus in the gospel, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices, and they all rushed to him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witness laid their, witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young name, name, man named Saul, which is Paul, by the way. His name was changed later. This is Paul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus Receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out and said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. He fell asleep meaning he died. Chapter 8, verse 1, look at this. And Saul, which was, is Paul, the guy we're talking about, approved other killing of him. Come on, this is the guy who wrote much of our New Testament. Friends, Paul was a Jewish leader. He was an expert of the Jewish law. In fact, last week we talked about the the Pharisees that challenged Jesus. Paul was a Pharisee. He was taught by the best. He was a really, really smart dude. He was the top of his class. He knew God. He knew the Old Testament scripture backwards and forwards. He thought he had it all together. He thought he had it all figured out. He thought that he knew it was all things right when it came to religion and that he had arrived. But Paul missed it. See, later on in Acts Acts chapter 9, Paul came face to face with the risen Christ. And his whole life changed. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. Friends, when we are confronted with the risen Christ and his call on our lives, we must change too. When Paul met Jesus, his eyes were opened. And he asked two questions that echo almost 2,000 years later. And these are the two questions he he asked. Who are you, Lord, and what shall I do? Who are you, Lord, what shall I do? You find this in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 26, when Paul is sharing his conversion, when he gave his life to Jesus. By the way, you might want to write these, these two questions down. Because I believe these two questions set the stage for anyone who follows Jesus who wants to grow with Jesus. Because as we open up the Bible, as we're reading Scripture, we can ask God these two questions as we're reading. As we're reading the Bible, we can say, who are you, Lord? What are are we learning about God? What has been revealed about who God is and his love for us and his calling in our life? Then we can say, what shall I do? Out of light of what we just learned... 
In light of what God just revealed to us, what, of, what is our next step? Where do we need to grow? See, I love this because I didn't have to come up with anything. Paul came up with it 2,000 years ago. Who are you, Lord? What shall you do? Paul grew in his knowledge and understanding of the truth of Jesus, and his whole life changed. In fact, he became a sold-out follower of Jesus, and he became one of the greatest Christian missionaries ever known. He was planting churches. He wrote letters that are in the, in the Bible that you have in your hands right now. He was training disciples, and he kept going around and proclaiming the gospel. Are you with me? Yeah. It's with all that background. It's all the understanding who Paul was and what God in his life and who he is. You and I enter into one of his letters. Philippians was a letter written to the church of Philippi. And history shows that Paul had a very close, loving relationship with the people of Philippi and why he was writing to them. They were close to him, they were dear to him, and it's out of his life changing experience and his heart for them, his love for them, that he is writing this letter to them. You with me? All right. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. Let's just stop right there. Paul is reminding them that there is a partnership in the gospel. They're in it together. But then he shares something pretty revealing. In the middle of this, he says, from the first day until now. From the first day until now. Meaning there was a day before the first day where they didn't believe. There was a day before the first day they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There was a day before the first day where maybe they rejected, for Jesus, rejected Jesus. There was a day before that first day where they lived for themselves. Maybe there was a day before that first day they thought they had it all figured out. They had all this religious idea figured out. But then... They, just like Paul, had a Jesus moment. Paul is reminding him of this moment of a life transformation by Jesus Christ. Their first day. Well, maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you walked in this morning and you have it all, you thought you had it all figured out with this thing about Christianity or Jesus, or what religion is. Maybe you walked in and you've had something in your past, and you think, oh, I don't need to learn anymore, or I've got it all figured out. And maybe you're realizing today, it's, like I said, we all have this spiritual journey either to Jesus or with Jesus. Maybe for you this morning is that your spiritual journey is coming to Jesus. Because you've been kicking the tires of this thing about Christianity, and now you're realizing that you need Jesus. Maybe it's time for you to have your first day. Right? Come on. Maybe it's you to have your first day that today is a day that God's going to change your life forever. Change your eternal zip code because you are separated from God. You surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you have eternity with God. Maybe today is your first day. And if that's the case, you're in this room. You've never given Jesus your life. You've never surrendered to him, made him the Lord of your life. 
Do not walk out those doors until you today make today the first day. He reminded them where it all started. But then there was more. Look back at the end of verse 4. It says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Stop there again. He, Jesus, who began a good work in you, salvation, will carry it out to completion. Life changed until the day of Christ Jesus, heaven. So as I'm looking at this and understanding our, our core value, what God has called us to do in our lives, what it means to follow him, is, I want to break it down like this. He says, Jesus has started in me, but he's not done in me yet. That's what Paul is saying. Jesus has started in them, but there is work to do. He's going to continue to work in our lives. And as a follower of Christ, man, every single one of us is a follower of Jesus. We have a, a before Jesus life, and we have an after Jesus life. And friends, our after Jesus life must look different than our before Jesus life. And the longer we walk with Jesus, the space between, the difference between what we looked like and how we're living now better be different. Because when you come to Jesus, you are a new creation. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone was in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new you is here. So the new you better look different than the old you. Because the old you is dead. The new you is alive. And we're growing to be more like Jesus and less like the world. Why? Because growing people, what? But. And this is a big but. What we face and what we're fighting against, this American cultural Christianity that I shared about last week, is the idea of the gospel has become for many this idea of a simple get out of hell free card. That Christianity is easy believism, that it's user friendly. That I said a prayer once, but my life is living in a way that is no different than those who don't know Jesus or reject Jesus. This is happening across our country, and this is a very scary place for us to be. In fact, I don't, I don't like to throw down scare taxes because I don't believe in them, but I, wonder, I believe that Jesus brings some clarity into this. In Matthew chapter 7, you can see it on the screen where he talks about 21 through 23. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? Drive out the demons in your name. Perform many miracles. And then Jesus says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Friends, coming to Jesus means our life needs to be different. 
Jesus does very clearly. It's not about all the things that we think we ought to do for him. It's about all the things that he needs to be doing in our lives. How he's changing us, growing us. We'll get to the will of my father in a few minutes. But coming to Jesus is not just a feel-good, emotional moment. Let me tell you, I cried like a baby the day I gave my life to Christ. And ever since that, God's been bringing more tears in my life than I appreciate, Lord. <laughs> it's absolutely emotional. But it's not just emotional moment. It's a life transformational moment. And in that moment, we can surrender our lives. We are choosing every day when our feet hit the ground to live differently. We're choosing every day to grow, to become more like him, fighting against the old desires, our old flesh self that wants to live like the old person, all the things of the world, and choosing to live like Jesus. It's saying no to what society and culture is saying yes to. And saying yes to what Jesus is calling us to. If you were to pick up this book and read it, church, read your Bibles. If you were to pick up this book and read it, you would see from time and time again, from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, you would see that God, this God living life is to be living differently in the world around you. From the Old Testament, the Israelites say, don't be like the other nations who worship other gods around you. Be the light of God to show them they need to follow me. In the New Testament with Jesus, don't be like the, the world who is broken and falling around. Be the light so people see there's something different when you follow me. Yeah. Jesus has started me, but he has not done in me yet. Growing people change. Now, can we slow this down a little bit? Can we bring this down to a little bit of reality for us for a moment? Are you with me on that? Because yeah. I want to I bring into some reality what we're facing. The top three influencers of this nation that changes and moves lives forward are what? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> Joking. It's sex, drugs and alcohol, and money. These are not just three influencer lives, but these three things are ruining the lives of so many people more than anything else in our country and anything else in the world. When I read scripture, open up and have a conversation with God, he says sex is for marriage only. It is a gift from God for a husband and a wife, amen? amen? But unfortunately, across our country, self-proclaiming Christians are choosing to ignore Jesus and to live for themselves, and they choose to have sex outside of marriage. They're choosing to live together and play house before the covenant of marriage is made. And a covenant, is, marriage is not a contract, by the way. It's not something you sign on down the line and it can be torn up. Marriage is a covenant 
between you, your spouse, and God. Men, women, husband, wives, boys, girls are addicted to pornography at at alarming rates. But God in his word in the book of Hebrews says the marriage bed should be kept pure. That as followers of Jesus, we are to live holy and pure lives. He's, God says very, very clear, be holy as your Lord, your God is holy. You know, it's funny, I have conversations with people who are reading, they'll say, listen, I'm going to read the Bible, Rich. I'm going to start in Genesis. Then they get to Exodus, and they get to Leviticus, they're like, I'm done. Because in Leviticus, there's blood everywhere. Blood sacrifices going all over the place. They're like, I can't stand it. It's gross. God's gross. And I'm like, listen, get the theme of it. Over and over and over through Leviticus, he's telling his people, be holy. As the Lord your God is holy. And the blood sacrifice was to cover their sin. Sex is number one. The second one is drugs and alcohol. Drugs and, drugs and alcohol are destroying lives on the daily. There's more addiction and rehabs than ever before. But Christians still choose to get drunk and use as they wish. Come on, Rich. It's hot outside. It's good to throw a few back. It calms me down. It relaxes me. You know what? And a little bit of weed just chills the day, baby. You're just being a little bit too legalistic. Well, we forget that God in his words that calls us to be in our right mind. In our sober mind, he talks about Sober. And anything that we do that alters that drunkenness or getting high is against God's calling in the life of someone who's growing to be more like his son. Number one is sex. Two is drugs and alcohol. The third is money. The almighty dollar. Yen, peso, Deutschmark, whatever you want. You know what? I'm just going to leave that alone for right now. It's real talk, friends. This is the, what the church, people who say they're following Jesus, are doing. And when these and many other Jesus life-changing topics are shared on a Sunday morning or talked about in our small groups or amongst brothers and sisters in Christ, one of three things happen. One, we hear the word of God and we're convicted of change, so we change. Two, we hear the word of God and we choose to ignore him to live our own lifestyle. Three, we get offended And we stop coming or leave the church. Friends, the latter two are people who don't want to change. They're not growing. And that's not God's will for your life. Jesus has started in me. But he's not done in me yet. Read this with me. 
Jesus has started in me. One of my favorite verses of scripture is Deuteronomy 29, 29. Moses is just laying things out. God's reminding them of how he called them to be different. And then he, they turned their backs on him and chose to live for themselves. And to get to the end of this chapter, he's sharing the word with those who are following him. And, and he says in verse 29, he says, The secret things belong to Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. There are, friends, there are things that we don't know. That's the reason I love this verse. Pastor Rich, how do, how do you wonder about this? I'm like, yo, Deuteronomy 29, 29, I have no idea. <laughs> there are things we don't know, and we may never know, and that's okay, because we know the God who knows them. But this verse also tells us things have been revealed to us that we do know we are responsible for. We are held accountable for. And please, please don't hide behind the phrase, I am a work in progress. It's true. We all are a work in progress. But there better be progress. Here's a fact. Maybe you can prove me wrong in this. I think it's a fact. Things that grow are alive. Things that don't are dead. Things that grow are alive. Things that don't are dead. What do our lives look like? Are we growing? Are we challenged by his word to change? I love how Paul couches this conversation. Continue on verse 7, it says, Is it right for me to feel this way about you? Remember, he was praying with joy and excitement for this, his fellow believers. He says, since I have you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. He's not, he says, I'm with you in this. We're in this together. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Blues Clues, Paul is saying to the churches of Philippi, I love you. This is why we're having this conversation. If I didn't love you, we wouldn't be talking about this. Friends, truth and love is still truth. Truth and love is still truth. This morning's conversation might be a gut check for us, but the reality is it's a simple reminder that God is still working in our lives. And we, as his children, need to be listening, obeying, and growing. Friends, Paul didn't write, he didn't call them out in harsh judgment. He didn't write this letter to them 
he didn't write this letter to him to belittle them. Paul wrote to them out of the same love of Jesus Christ, the same love that Paul received from Jesus when he was doing these things, when he was living his life outside of God's will. He's writing that same kind of love. Trust me, if Jesus wanted to, he could have crushed Paul like a grape. But Jesus said, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you persecuting me, those who are following me? I'm going to change your life, and we're going to do something amazing together. So Paul was writing to them. The same love he received from Jesus, he's pouring it out into their lives in this letter. Listen. Whether it's a a brother or sister in Christ whether it's your small group leader or a pastor who speaks truth in your life and it hurts, it's not to punish you. It's not to belittle you. It's because they love you and they know the best life is found in God's will for your life. And the will of the Father is when we live our lives and growing to become more like his son. Friends, we're in this together. The church is a body. We are a family. And we have these conversations with each other because we know we all need them. Paul was writing, the only reason he wrote this letter to the Philippians church is because he heard what was going on. Read through the book of Philippians. You'll see the, some of the things that he's calling them out on. Say, no, no, this is how you're not supposed to live, friends. This is how you're supposed to live in Jesus. And we want to pull this whole thing back. The only way to push back the darkness of this world is not with more darkness. It's with the light of Jesus Christ lived through his church, you. And the more we grow... The more we change, become more like Jesus, the brighter the light becomes and the church becomes the true beacon of hope that it's called to be. Truth and love is still truth. And then Paul shares with the church the truth in his prayer. He says in verse 9, he says, this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That we are growing. That we have a desire. Our love, we want to know more and to grow more. So that we be able to discern what is best. We grow in knowledge because we desire to grow more. And we discern what is best and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. That we become filled with the fruit of righteousness. Through Christ Jesus, the glory and praise of God. Third point. Growing people change. Imagine that. Growing people change. He's saying there's got to be a, my prayer for you, church is that we are growing 
and a desire to know and to live it out more so we can have God's wisdom buried deep between the ears. And so when it comes to living like the world or living like Jesus, we're like, "Mm -mm, I choose Jesus. That's Paul's prayer. Not just for the churches of Philippi, but for you, for me, anyone who says that they're a follower of Jesus. More and more is growth. To rightly discern is growth and change. To be filled with the fruit of righteousness of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5, fruit of the Spirit. is changing. More like Jesus. The author of Hebrews throws it down a little bit deeper. Chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. We have much to say to you about this. They're talking about Jesus being the ultimate priest. Above all things, the headship. But it's hard for me to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not antiquated with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Train themselves. Friends, as the church, the body of Christ, we have a clear calling in our lives to grow up spiritually. The no longer try to understand life is an offense to God. The one who loves you the most, loves me the most, sent his son to die so we can surrender our lives to him, to be with him for all eternity. Being an infant is the starting point. But you, me, we, we can't stay there. We're called to grow. Either coming to Jesus or with Jesus. We're called to grow. Our mission is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you what I believe a disciple is. A disciple is on a screen, is someone who follows, learns, and is changed by Jesus Christ and invite others to do the same. You know what the beauty of this is? It doesn't make a difference where you are, coming to or walking with. You can make a decision to turn and change your life right now, right here. If you're in this room and you've given your life to Jesus and you've been walking this life and you know, you know exactly that you things in your life that you're doing and living that according to his word is not right. Let me just tell you, God's word is clear. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Confess our sins. He's righteous and just. He will cleanse us and he forgives us our sins. All we need to do is stop, confess, 
and turn. Commit. When your feet hit the ground, then I'm going to say no to the world, no to my old self. And I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight in the strength of Jesus Christ to live for him and to bring him glory. Maybe you're in this room and you've never given your life to Christ. You've been trying to figure things out on your own, living on your own strength. Well, maybe again, today needs to be your first day. Because you can't get where you're going on your own. Only Jesus makes that possible. He's the one that gives you the strength to overcome. He's the one that gives you everything you need for life and godliness. Everywhere where we fall short, and friends, we fall short and sin, Jesus fills the gap. He's the only one who can fill the gap. Creates the bridge back to God. So I don't know where you're at. You do, God does. What is your next step? Where do you need to grow? Where are you being challenged right now? The Holy Spirit is real and he's present. And I know he's talking to many of us in this room. Myself included. What do we need to change? Where do we need to grow? That's what this church needs to be about. Where we can stand and say, this is us. We challenge the status quo of the world and live in the light of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for who you are and what you have done to make this life with you possible. God, thank you for making it very clear that we are never to take our walk with you lightly, that we're always being challenged through your word to become more like you and your son, to say no to our old life and, and embrace this new life with you. I don't know where we are, where my friends are, our family is, but they do and you do. So God, I pray this morning that you're making it real to them, that your word is raw enough that they'll hear you, that it's alive and active and it's penetrating the very bone and marrow of who they are. May they confess. May they surrender. May they turn and live differently. Father, I pray for all those in this room who do not have that relationship with you. People walked in who thought they had this all things figured out religion or, or there is no such thing. Kicking the tires of Christianity. 
God, I pray this morning they'll see that today needs to be their first day. That they need to give their lives to you. That you are the game changer. You are their strength. You are their fortress. You are their everything. In fact, I'm going to call the prayer team to come forward right now. And if you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and this morning is the day, I'm going to ask you while our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, to get up right now and come forward and talk to them. Don't be afraid. Don't walk out those doors unless you make it right. Come forward right now. Give your life to Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. He conquered the grave for you. And the only way you can radically change is by surrendering on the one who radically gave his life for you. Maybe you're in this room and you're struggling. Some of the things that were shared this morning, God's been speaking to your heart about live, things you've been doing in your life and you want to come up and confess and you want to and talk to God about it. You want prayer for strength. Come to our prayer team. When I say amen and people are walking out, you come forward. Father, I know coming to you Sometimes in front of all these people it can become very scary and intimidating. But fear is a liar. And I pray that right now you do not let fear get in the way of someone embracing the love of Jesus Christ. From someone confessing their sin and embracing a new life, a righteous life with you and choosing to follow you. Father, we love you. We worship you this morning. We serve you with our whole life. Again, I pray this morning you will do something utterly disproportionate to who we are because nothing compares to you. You are an amazing God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless, church. Have an amazing week.